You know, um, being a guest speaker is not always easy because, of course, you don't know the people, you don't know what their issues are. I heard about a young man who, who was a preacher and he went to be a guest speaker at a church. He was terribly nervous and he really wasn't sure that the message he'd be prepared was going to be suitable for the people. And just before he got up to speak, he, he noticed on the side of the chapel a broken window and stretched over the broken window was a piece of plastic. And it gave him an inspiration. He got up and, and he, he said, listen, it's great to be your guest speaker today, but I, I don't know you as well as your pastor. I'm not sure that the message that I've prepared is going to be suitable totally for you. Uh, I'm a little bit like that piece of plastic stretched across the broken window. Um, I can't let the light of Jesus in maybe as well as your pastor, but I hope nevertheless that the light of Christ will shine through the words that I speak. Well, he preached his heart out. And at the end of the service, a woman came up to him and she said, Preacher, you're not a piece of plastic. You're a real pain. And uh, I, I, I hope that I can be a real pain uh, as, I, as I share with you, not only today but over, over the next four weeks. The thing about being a guest speaker, of course, is that you normally only do get to preach one sermon. Then you're out of there and it doesn't matter whether you've upset people because you won't be back. Um, but I'm here for four weeks, so I've got to be careful what I say and how I say it. So let's, let's get underway. What sort of example is that? They're the words my father would speak to me when I was a young boy and I'd just done something silly or irresponsible in front of my young uh, brother or sisters. David, what sort of example is that? Well, last week I stood at a crowded pedestrian crossing and it was don't walk. And there were no cars to the left and there were no cars to the right and people were just crossing. And I was about to follow them when the words of my father came back to me. David, what sort of example is that? And so I waited until it changed to green. Example. You know, if you're a parent of young children, uh, or if you've been a parent of young children and can remember, you will know how important your example was in their lives and what they chose to do. Uh, I love this saying. Children are natural mimics. They act like their parents in spite of every attempt to teach them good manners. Children are natural mimics. They act like their parents in spite of every attempt to teach them good manners. A couple of years ago, there was an advert on TV. I wonder if you remember it. It showed a small boy in the back seat of a car mimicking every action and attitude of his father who was in the front seat driving. It was a very powerful illustration of the influence of the example of parents in the lives of their young children. But you know, it's not only children who follow the example of others. We all do. It's part of human nature to learn our behaviours and attitudes from the significant people in our lives. And of course, children and young people are most open, or you might say most vulnerable, uh, to this, but we are all shaped by what we see in the lives of the people who are most significant to us, the people we spend our time with. And of course, this can be a both uh, a positive and a negative thing. You know about the saying, if you lie down with dogs, what do you do? You get up with 
please. Influence. Uh, example. Well, over the next few Sundays, I'm going to be encouraging you and me to follow the example of Jesus. This series that uh, we're doing through January is titled Snapshots, Sna- Snapshots from the, the Life of Jesus. And so we're going to be looking at some well-known stories from the, the life of Jesus. But this is not simply an opportunity to be reminded of some of the things that happened in the early ministry of Jesus. It's an opportunity to ask the question, am I following his example? A- am I living a life that is in his model? Is the example of Jesus guiding my actions and my very life. Thank you, Pat, for your communion talk today. As I listened to you, I thought, have we planned this? Have we got together and talked about what uh, we would would, uh, say today? We hadn't. But again, the Holy Spirit just uh, guided you as he has guided me. Uh, And so, um, what is example? I looked it up in in the dictionary, and here's the definition that I found. I like it. Uh, a person or thing regarded in terms of their fitness to be imitated. A person or thing regarded in terms of their fitness to be imitated. And in this series, we're going back to the very beginning of Jesus' ministry to, to, to look at some of the things that happened and to determine whether or not we will imitate what we read about, what we see as he gives us an example for the way we live our lives. And again, the question uh, that I'm going to be asking you and I'm going to be asking myself is is simply this. Am I following the example of Jesus? Is my life and the way I live it based on the example of the Master? So let's begin by reading from the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 3. They're very familiar words, but don't allow their familiarity Uh, to uh, cause you not to see the power in them. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight, paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey and people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing he said to them you Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And so we're introduced to John the Baptist. What a character. Uh, I I don't know what he looked like, but it was not ordinary. And I don't know what he sounded like, but it was extraordinary. 
because people flocked to listen to him. People were drawn to him. His message was compelling. It seems that there was a spiritual hunger in the people and John's words spoke to that hunger. People were convicted and they turned to God and they turned to God in their hundreds. It was like a mini revival. And you can go to the Jordan River today and see the place where John preached. And when people chose to repent, John would take them down into the Jordan River and he would dunk them in the water. And it was like this beautiful image of their sins being washed, them being cleansed and new life beginning as they turned their lives around. A powerful symbol of God's cleansing and forgiveness. John was fearless in his preaching and scathing of the hypocritical religious leaders who also came out to listen to him. What did he call them? You brood of vipers. My goodness. And we read on from verse 11. I baptise you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And so John also preached about one who was coming, the promised one, the Messiah, the one who would usher in the kingdom, the one who would baptise with with, uh, the spirit and with fire. We read on verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptised by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do all this to fulfil all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And so here at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he hasn't even begun to teach. He hasn't called for anyone yet to follow him. Jesus leaves Galilee and comes to the Jordan to be baptised by John. And friends, in doing so, he is being an example to every person who for 2,000 years have chosen to follow him. And today I want to look at this story from the life of Jesus. And I've identified three ways Jesus is being an example to each one of us. And I want to challenge you to think about which one of these three examples you identify most closely with today. And that will come as we spend some time reflecting at the end of my message. But firstly, Jesus gives us the example of repentance. Jesus gives us the example of repentance. Now straight away, some of you will say, David, Jesus did not need to repent because he was perfect. So how can he give us an example of repentance? Well, you are right. The Bible teaches us that Jesus was without sin. John the Baptist understood the absurdity 
of Jesus coming to be baptised for repentance. What did he say? Uh, What did we read? Verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptised by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? John was baffled. Here was the Messiah. This was the Son of God. He, he, He doesn't need to repent. He, he, he has not sinned. It made no sense. But Jesus, here at the beginning of his ministry, is making a statement about what he had come to achieve. He had come to identify himself with sinful people like you and me who do need to repent. It's a profound mystery as to why Jesus, the creator of the universe, would come in human form and be found, as the Bible says, in appearance as a man. It is what in theological terms is called the incarnation, God becoming man. You know, incarnation literally means taking on flesh. It's what we've celebrated at Christmas just a couple of weeks ago. God becoming one of us. And in Jesus, God chose to identify with humanity by becoming a man. And here at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus makes a clear, unambiguous statement of this identification with sinful humanity. Friends, repentance is still the starting point of being a follower of Jesus. Until you come to a point of accepting that you are a sinner in need of a saviour, then you have not even begun the journey of faith. Sin separates us from God. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death and it's eternal death. The message of John the Baptist is exactly the same message that Jesus chose to proclaim himself. Repent, turn from your sin. And when Jesus came to the Jordan River this day to be baptised, he was making this powerful statement about the sinful condition of, of ourselves and our need to repent. And in so doing, he was giving us an example to follow. Well, I want to take you back to 1989. And uh, it was the Mildura Church of Christ. And it was early in December and I just concluded preaching a message and I felt prompted by God to give an invitation to anyone who wanted to commit their life to following Jesus to walk to the front of the service and to make that declaration of faith. I couldn't believe it when I saw Pat walking to the front of the service. Pat Wheeler had only been coming to our church for two to three weeks. Uh, Pat had, uh, had a tough life. Uh, Her husband had left her with three young girls when she was a young mother and she had to raise those three children by herself. Uh, Pat uh, had uh, an anger against God the likes of which I don't think I've seen in anyone else and it was because of the pain and the suffering that Pat had allowed to define her life. But here she was standing in front of me with tears rolling down her cheeks. Uh, you see, her, her daughter um, 
uh, had D Diane had earlier that year come to faith in Jesus and she'd been inviting mum to come along to church with her for the, the best part of a year. Mum finally decided she would and, and two to three weeks later she committed her life to Jesus uh, and it was beautiful to see because here was a woman ready to repent. She was 70 years of age and ready to turn around and accept the grace and the forgiveness and the love of the Saviour. It's the beginning point, folks. The point where we come and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy. Would you please forgive me? And at his baptism, Jesus gives us the example of this uh, very attitude of repentance. Secondly, Jesus gives us the example of obedience. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptised by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptised by you and do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfil all righteousness. Here at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus was showing that obedience to the Father is the key to the kingdom. If you read through the Gospels, you will find that obedience is the basis for which a person would become a follower of Jesus. Remember Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7. These are very sobering words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Friends, the key to following Jesus is fundamental, it's simple, it's obeying, it's obedience. And Jesus in his baptism was modelling obedience. Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfil all righteousness. He was going to do what was right. He was going to obey his Father. And obeying his Father was Jesus' number one priority. Here, right at the beginning, before he had even begun his ministry, he was obeying his Father. And then if we go right to the end of his ministry, Remember the words in the garden on the night he was to be betrayed. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Obedience to the Father. You know, my desire as a Christian is to live a life of obedience and one day to hear God's voice. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. And I'm sure that's your desire as well. After Pat committed her life to Christ, we began to meet and talk about what it meant to follow Jesus. Here was a woman catching up on lost time. Let me tell you, 
She began to read her Bible and had a real appetite for obeying God and getting her life sorted. Ours was a, uh, hers was a genuine repentance that, that led to a change of life. And by the way, you know the definition of repentance, don't you? It, it's not feeling sorry for your sin. Uh, it's actually being willing to turn around and head in the other direction. And Pat was willing to do that. And and the changes in her life began to follow. Are you living a life of obedience to God? Let me tell you what I've discovered about Christians, uh, mainly because I am one, uh, and that is all too often, we're ready to, to sort of go back to those things we left at the foot of the cross and take on board the burdens and sometimes the habits and sometimes the attitudes that, that were nailed to the cross. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves uh, talking the talk but not walking the walk. You know, at the beginning of a new year, I don't know if you make resolutions, but what a great time to resolve, to not only call ourselves a Christian, but, but to deal with those issues where our lives are not in line with, with the will of the Father, to make a decision to be obedient. Uh, we, we, we all know those areas that need to change. We all know those areas that need to be brought back into line. Well, well I reckon today, the beginning of a new year, is a great time to follow the example of Jesus uh, who, who gave us his example of obedience. Well thirdly Jesus gives us the example of baptism. It seems to me that to a large extent uh, the importance of baptism has been overlooked or if you'll pardon the pun, pun watered down uh, in, modern, in the modern church. Baptism for many has become a ceremony, uh, a quaint um, ceremony that you, you might go through or might have uh, been put through by, by your parents. Uh, for many, it doesn't have much significance. Jesus did not see baptism that way. Before he begins his ministry, he comes to be baptised and in so doing is making a statement about the importance of baptism. Christian baptism on the basis of the teaching of Jesus was to become the central act of the conversion experience. When Jesus left this earth, his instructions to his disciples were unambiguous. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then in the early church, as we read in the book of Acts, baptism was central to the message of salvation. On the day of Pentecost, Peter declared, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love the fact that in churches of Christ, Christian baptism is taught and practised as an integral part of a person's conversion to Christ and as a step of faith and Christian obedience. Jesus, at the age of 30, was immersed in the waters of baptism as an act of obedience and as an example to all of us 
Let us not miss the centrality of this step of faith and obedience in the life of every believer. So it was Christmas Eve in 1989 that Pat came to be baptised. 70 years of age. I remember she was worried about drowning. Wasn't sure she could hold her breath underwater. Uh, But as we gathered before the service to pray, Pat said to me, David, I just smoked my last cigarette. Now you've got to understand that Pat had smoked 50 cigarettes a day for 50 years. And I knew that. I'd, I'd been in her home and seen the yellow ceiling and the curtains that it was stained with nicotine smoke. And I said to Pat, Pat, you're dealing with a, an addiction here. Um, don't be too hard on yourself if you find that you're not able to keep that commitment. Pat was a character. Uh, I think you can, you can sort of see it in her eyes. She stared me down. She said, David, I made a promise to God. I have smoked my last cigarette today. And do you know for 14 years from 1989 until she uh, died in 2003, every Christmas Eve, she would ring me. Hey, David, five years, no puff. Ten years, not a... Not a cigarette. David, 13 years. I, 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 you know, I'd moved on from Mildura for years by this time, every Christmas Eve. You see, that's the power of the gospel to transform. That's the power of Christ in the life of a person who's willing to repent, who's willing to obey, who's willing to do the will of a father. And it's one of the great stories of my life to the, have had the privilege of sharing with that woman and seeing her faith come to life. Today I want to challenge people who are yet to be baptised. You know, if you're considering faith in Christ, then you need to understand that that part of following Jesus, part of that conversion experience needs to be baptism. Uh, The example's been given by Jesus himself. That's something you need to take very seriously. And can I say that if you are a committed Christian and you have not been baptised, then I encourage you to see baptism in the context of following the example of Jesus himself, whose baptism was a step of obedience. One of the great joys of my ministry over the years has been to baptise committed Christian people who may have been following Jesus for a lifetime, but who have come to a point of understanding if it's good enough for my Saviour, it's good enough for me. If, if this is a step of obedience that, that was intended for me to take, then even now I'm ready to make that commitment. So there you have it, following the example of Jesus. Let me tell you, it's never going to be easy. He, he set a really high bar. But there's no better way to live. And in his baptism, he sets before us three wonderful examples. The example of repentance, the example of obedience, and the example of baptism itself. Let me pray. Father, we want to thank you today for your word. We want to thank you for the way it sets out the life of Jesus in in ways that can help us to not only Uh, believe in him but live like him father we thank you for his example uh, through his baptism and i do pray that each one of us today who 
have their heads bowed before you, uh, would, would be open to the possibility that you are calling us in a fresh and a new way, even now, to follow the example of our Saviour. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a time of, of reflection and, and response. And look, here, here is my challenge to you today. Um, one, of, one of those three responses can be applied to everyone in this room. I don't care who you are, whether you're a Christian or not, uh, whether you've been following Jesus for a lifetime or just a few weeks. One of these questions is one that you can apply uh, as you make a response today. Uh, if if uh, you need to repent, then, then begin by writing on the card, uh, Dear God, and just tell him what's on your heart, what needs to be confessed. And tell him that you're ready to turn around, start heading in the right direction. Uh, if, if you need to be obedient, and look, I, I know, I know there are things in every one of our lives where, where we've let it slip, haven't been as faithful as we should, where our walk and our talk are not lining up, then maybe this, this is your prayer today. Dear God, I'm ready to obey, ready to get that sorted, going to live this year in a way that honours you as my Heavenly Father. If you've never been baptised, wow. Is there a better time? Is there a better time than right now to say, dear God, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to get baptised. I'm going to talk to David today after this service and, and we're going to line up a time where I can get baptised because I know that that's what you're calling me to do. Uh, let's spend some time responding to God.